All righty, News Talk 1110 wbt The Pete Callender Show, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. Email is Pete at thepetecallendershow.com. Um, hour number three here, we've been discussing uh, Christy Clark, former state lawmaker, completely ineffective as a state lawmaker, but very effective at getting koozies canceled from the grocery store, getting them removed so you don't see the image of a bald eagle flying around with a shotgun uh, saying, give me liberty or give me death with a big American flag behind it. Now, some people may just dismiss this imagery as kind of silliness, over the top, gaudy even. I now prefer to think of it as a collector's item. (laughs) Uh, What's interesting is the rejection of reality that is embedded in these arguments that we see from the hypersensitive, overly offended, and I'm not even sure these people are actually offended. I think for a, I think a large portion of them are neurotic. That's with an N, people. With an N. Neurotic. Neurotic, anxiety-ridden, emotional basket cases. And I'm not saying that to denigrate them. I'm not saying that to to stigmatize. I'm just tired of living life by their standards because, as I mentioned, they're neurotic and emotional basket cases. And I don't want to live like that. I don't want to live as if I'm in fear of everything all the time. That's no way to live life. You don't get to dictate these terms. And unfortunately, I think we have allowed ourselves to be led around by the most neurotic population we have among us. I'm, I'm tired of it. I think a lot of people are tired of it. Grow the bleep up, people. Stiffen the spine. You're Americans. It's coming up on Independence Day, for God's sake. Oh, for my sake, for Pete's sake. Anyway, what is the what is the line about? Give me liberty or give me death. Does that does that not mean anything? And maybe maybe this is simply just a byproduct of our terrible trash of a K-12 government school system that we have. Maybe this is the result of it, that you don't really comprehend the magnitude of what those words mean. It is better to be dead than to not be free. That's the point. And until you recognize and really internalize that and think through what that means, and maybe these people have, maybe Christy Clark has, Maybe Christy Clark has thought deeply about it, and she's decided it's better to live as a slave than it is to be free and to die for that freedom. Maybe that's maybe that's her choice. She doesn't articulate that. She just says, take off that koozie because it's so triggering. People died. No calls for any other product that has caused way more harm than a koozie. A koozie that shows a picture, a cartoon picture of Thomas Jefferson holding an AR-15 that says, uh, arms change, rights don't. And I'm sorry, but that's true. That's true. And if you don't like it, there's a process that was developed by that evil cartoon guy where he said, if you don't like what's in this founding document, you don't like the rules, then here are the rules to go about changing the rules. You follow this process, and that would mean repealing the Second Amendment. But you won't do that. 
You're not doing that. Why aren't you doing that? No, you're trying to work out all of these other areas, work in all of these other places to try and, you know, pressure campaign and, and shame corporations or exert economic influence. You're trying all these different pathways. Why? Why? Because you don't have the support of the majority of the population. You can't get that done by the rules. You can't follow the rules to, to get done what you want done. So you are trying all of these other ways to do it. Let me go to a couple of emails. Uh, Kevin said, I, uh, I went to Harris Teeter. I tried to find them. No koozies at my closest Harris Teeter. Um, oh, and then he offers up a helpful suggestion. If you're trying to get more followers, uh, try posting a picture of you in a bathing suit. That may get another 6,000 followers, but for various reasons. Some good advice there. Solid, solid advice. Uh, let me bounce over here uh, to Pete at the Pete Callender Show. Pete, Harris Teeter should be ashamed of themselves. Have you seen the numbers on obesity and type 2 diabetes lately? And do you think Harris Teeter has taken ice cream and cookies off the shelves? Do you think they've thrown the Twinkies in the dumpster? Have you seen the size of the Snickers bars you can buy there? Have they no shame? No conscience? And now, yes, now, people will have to drink their cans of full sugar soft drinks warm, all because Harris Teeter quit selling those wonderful koozies. Oh, the humanity. That's from listener Dan. John says, Pete, not only does Harris Teeter sell alcohol, but um, you may want to sit down for this. They serve it, too. They serve beer and wine. Cotswold being one location. That's true. They've started adding, adding in these bars. Have you seen these things in the grocery stores? I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't understand. Why would I? Seriously, why would I go? Although, now that I'm thinking of it, now that I'm, th- all right, now that I'm thinking of it, by doing the bars, you know, you notice where they put the bars to? They never put the bars over at the chip section and the soda section. No, no, no. The bar is always where? At the produce section. Is that so you could sit at the bar and check out the people who are healthy eaters that look good and they come through the produce section and then you can kind of strike up a conversation with them because right, that's where you meet people in the produce section. That's what I've always heard. Isn't that right? That's where people used to pick each other up was at the grocery store in the produce section, right? Wasn't that the deal? I, I'm just telling you what TV told me. Uh, But, yeah, so that's a great point. They actually do sell the alcohol. So how many people's lives have been ruined by their direct hand? Maybe Harris Teeter can sell the koozies to the same people that bought all of the clear CMS backpacks. Oh, that's a great idea. Do you get pennies on the dollar for them? That's it. You're going to get koozies and clear backpacks. Somebody needs to offend somebody, like some company that makes suntan lotion needs to offend somebody, and then I'll have all I need to go for my beach trip. I got my clear backpack, I got my koozie, and I'll have some sunscreen, and then I'm golden. Maybe a towel manufacturer, can you make some offensive towels? Get those canceled, then I can get them pennies on the dollar. Hello, Craig, welcome to the program, how are you? I'm doing well. I hope you are. I cannot complain. Well, I do, actually, three hours a day for the most part. But... <laughs> yeah, well, you do such a good job at it, I should say. <laughs> I appreciate it. What's going on? So, 
you you had made the comment that you think these leftists are neurotic. Yes. Is it is does does narcissism fall under the category of neurosis? It well it it can so it's a different category. But the yeah nar- narcissists believe and they're self centered, so they believe all of. Uh, all of their feelings are paramount to everyone else's, and they have lack of empathy for others because all they can think of is themselves. So, yeah, absolutely. So the leftists have to be classified as as badly, deeply, severely narcissistic. There was, I just saw um, a Pew Research just did a very large survey or study on this. I'm sorry I don't have it with me. It's in the stack of stuff back at ha- back at the house. Um, because I wanted to go through the 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 background on it, but they it, it was talking about the the personality traits that are prevalent among the left, and those are the personality traits prevalent on the left. Narcissism being one of them, the, and almost along the lines of the dark triad. You know, the like those those personality traits are prevalent among the left. They want the koozie dropped. Okay regardless of, of whether it hurts or helps anybody, because they want it dropped and they want their power exerted over us. Right. There is a, there, this goes back to, um, there was, gosh, it was a fellow who gave a speech at Hillsdale College several years ago, and he talked about the, uh, what actually occurs in the brain. There are dopamine hits, these little, these little hits, right, that the, that the brain gets, and you get addicted to them. Social media is very bad about this, where, you know, uh, the messages, the ding, 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 as they come through, and you get these dopamine hits for every like, for every follower, whatever. Same thing happens. The, the, the payoff, the, the juice for a lot of people on the left is that the dopamine hit comes when they know somebody sees them acting virtuous. It's not even the act of virtue. It's the knowledge that somebody saw me. That's where they get off. And that's and that's why there's all this virtue signaling and the moral preening. That's what it's about. They get their they get their dopamine fix from the yeah, knowledge what, that somebody else saw. They get their rocks off. Yeah. No, it's true. And it's it's literally and you get addicted to that cycle, to that because dopamine makes you feel good. And so that's what they get. Yeah. Uh Craig, I appreciate the call, buddy. Thanks for making it. So did you know this? Every year at WBT Sky Show on July 4th, we honor veterans and active military servicemen and women. Yeah, with a patriotic flag ceremony immediately following the ball game and before uh, we uh, send all of the dynamite up into the sky. If you are interested in participating in a flag ceremony and are currently serving or have served in the military, WBT would love to have you. Just sign up now at WBT.com for a chance to join us at the Sky Show on July the 4th, including four tickets to the game, and then, you know, be a part of the flag ceremony on the field. Thank you also for your service. Go to WBT.com for all of the details. WBT's Sky Show 2022, sponsored by Audi Charlotte. A couple of emails here. Jan says, Pete, I only occasionally glance at Twitter just so I can feel better about myself. In the same way, I go to the Chinese buffet to feel thinner. I look at Twitter ranch to make me realize I am a lot more sane than I thought. Yeah, which 
That's one of the things you always got to keep in mind about social media and uh, particularly Twitter. Uh, it's not real life. It's not real life. There is a higher, I would suspect there is a higher percentage or proportion, I should say, of people on Twitter that are far more nar- narcissistic and neurotic um, than life in general, than in the real world. But as I outlined the reasons why I use Twitter, how I use Twitter, um, I kind of have to be there. It is my it is my main platform, aside from like my bookmarks in my browser that I go through every day when I do show prep. I've got you know local, state, national bookmarks, and I go through all of these websites every day. But Twitter is how I basically link those into, and I usually there's, I know I'm going into the weeds a little bit. There's a thing called Tweet Deck where you can actually create different lists and hashtags and then you can stack them all next to each other. And so you can see them in real time as they move. So I've got, you know, one for North Carolina politics. So that's constantly rolling through with just North Carolina dedicated topics. Uh, people who use that hashtag, that sort of thing. Um, but so I remember a couple of years ago, I interviewed Jason Whitlock, the sports columnist and he talked about Twitter in the way he said he can, he uses Twitter and it doesn't have the negative effects on him that it seems to have on other people. He says, I look at it like fast food. He says, I love fast food. I would eat fast food all day long, but I, my body does not do well with fast food. And he said, I'm like, but some people can eat all the fast food and it doesn't affect them. He said, that's kind of like me with Twitter. I have a very high metabolic rate (laughs) for Twitter. All right, let me let's see. Hello, Chuck. Welcome to the program. What's going on, Chuck? Well, hello. How are you? Hey, I'm well. What's up? Well, I just want to, a couple of years ago, my congressman, Ralph Norman, was holding a meeting with a bunch of anti-gun ladies. I think it was about two from Rock Hill. They had already attacked Harris Teeter. They were wanting to put the gun on the door with the red circle around it. Mm-hmm. And so he was talking to him, and he pulled his pistol. I don't think these women like pistols because they they went nuts. They started doing the boogaloo, the reverse boogaloo, the upside down boogaloo. So you're saying a dance contest and, uh, broke out? Field. Yeah, I mean it, it was just it was just nuts. Mm. And uh, you know what Harris Teeter did? No, nothing. They didn't pay him a bit of attention. Ralph Norman knew that 10 of them were from Charlotte, so he knew he wasn't going to get their votes. And the two from Rock Hill were, were probably Democrats. Mm-hmm. Well, probably uh, the, the two from Rock Hill. Yeah, I mean, the only two Democrats yeah. in Rock Hill. Oh, I kid. So, all right, so, so what, what was the, so what, that was it. The point is that Harris Teeter didn't do anything, but that was years ago, and now they've got new corporate ownership, so it's different? I guess I, uh, I know they didn't do anything. And, yeah. And when I go in there, I'm probably carrying. Yeah. Because I have a concealed weapons permit. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Chuck, thank you. I appreciate I do remember the story vaguely, the, uh, not all of the details, but I do vaguely remember the that uh, Congressman Norman had gotten into trouble for showing a gun. Probably not the greatest idea if you're meeting with anti-gun people. To pull the, you know, sheriff from Blazing Saddles line. But, uh, 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't remember the full context there. Let me get to a couple more emails here to Pete at the Pete Callender Show. Uh, this was from Jay, who said, Pete, you just hit the nail on the head when you said, don't live your life afraid. We're all going to die. Don't be afraid of everything. The COVID lockdowns just accelerated the weakest among us to be safe. And those people are predominantly liberal. Leave me alone and let me live my life. This I've referred to this outlook as safetyism, and I've seen it referred to as that safetyism. The elevation of being safe and staying safe above all other things, and that is a fool's errand. It is, it's like the Marxist version of utopia. It is impossible to achieve because it is fantasy. Life is a race against death that we all lose. Now go out, and as the Avid brothers would say, decide what to be and go be it. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Let's call it the Christy Clark Koozie Standard. The CC Koozie's with a K, people. But if it's with a C, it, it would have been the triple C standard. But the Christy Clark Koozie Standard. And I do, I do think um, this uh, could very well destroy Harris Teeter Kroger. Kroger, Kroger Teeter? Harris Kroger. Whatever. Um, it could destroy them. Because if we're, if we're just taking a death count and tying it to simple imagery on packaging, right? That, that's what we're talking about, these koozies that have the pictures of the American flag, the American bald eagle, um, and uh, Thomas Jefferson. And not even all of them have the guns, but they all say something about rights, about America, about liberty, and some of them have guns on there. Some of them are pro-Second Amendment, which I don't want to alarm you, but is actually part of the Constitution and part of our founding. Founding fathers put it in there for a reason. The reason's very clear. It's to protect the citizenry from a government that goes tyrannical. And I'm sorry if that just crushes your fragile mental state. But your being naive does not require me to give up any kind of you know grasp on truth or my rights. I'm not going to apologize for that. I, I mean, I do feel bad for you that you are you know so rattled by historical reality or by the knowledge, and it is it is truth. It is capital T truth, and I know that's not popular in today's postmodernist society to say, but it is true that. Humanity is very, very, very close at all times from basically wiping each other off the face of the planet. It's very, very common occurrence. I just saw there was another mass slaying in Mali, I believe it was, 130-something people. People are terrible. People are crazy, evil, do horrific things to one another. Right, so when you're trying to order a society, you're trying to build a civil society where we may maximize the best of things and minimize 
the worst of things, it requires certain understandings of truth, of reality. And if you are not willing to accept the reality that terrible things happen to people when they can't defend themselves, if, I mean, that's just, that's natural law. If you don't even understand natural law, then take all the seats. I'm not interested in any discussions with you because uh, unless you're willing to learn about natural law, but if you don't even know what that is, you have no concept of it and you, you just are popping off about how we can all live together and just let the government keep all the guns. Oh, and by the way, we should defund all of the police because they're terrible. They're Klansmen and slave patrol, modern day era version, whatever, right? Like you want them to have all of the guns for some reason. And I'm sorry if that triggers people. I'm sorry that that triggered people when Mark Robinson, the lieutenant governor, said it. But he's right. That is the historical truth. It is accurate. To say otherwise is misinformation. I might report you to the now-defunct disinformation board. That's where it comes from. Now, you may disagree, by the way. You may say, no, I don't think that a government can ever go tyrannical. Okay. And then I would show you examples of governments that go tyrannical. And then what do you have? Like, if you walk through this argument in a logical procession, you end up getting to a point where you just want rules put in place because you want the rules to be in place. That's it. That's the extent. And I'm a more of a why kind of guy. I'm a how so follow-up question asker. I, I ask the how so. I ask the why. I want to know what is the reason why you're telling me these things? Why do you believe what you believe? I just heard your bumper sticker slogans. Fine. Why do you say that? Why do you believe that? What's at the core of that? So with the, uh, the koozie that was so highly offensive, here's why it's not offensive. Give me liberty or give me death. Revolution was in the air in 1775. Only a few months earlier, delegates from the American colonies had held their very first Continental Congress, and they sent King George III back in Britain... They sent him a petition for redress of grievances. What does that mean? He's like, hey, king, this is how you stink. And you need to address these problems that we've got with you. You need to make them right. You're doing this bad stuff. Stop it. Fix it. Here's our list. And among them, among that list of grievances was the repeal of the so-called intolerable acts, which, as I understand it, were intolerable. Hence the name. A mass boycott of British goods was already underway in Boston Harbor, still languished under a British blockade as punishment for the Boston Tea Party that had happened two years prior. In a speech to Parliament in late 1774, so one year after the Tea Party, one year uh, before Patrick Henry's comments, in a speech to Parliament, King George denounced what was happening in the colonies, he said, quote, the daring spirit of resistance and disobedience to the law. He denounced it, but noted it seemed to be spreading like wildfire across the American continent. Amid the mounting tensions, the Second Virginia Convention convened. They were there to discuss the Old Dominion state strategy and negotiating with the crown, with the king. They had 120 delegates, roughly. They went to this uh, in Richmond. They went to St. John's Church. It was a veritable who's who of Virginia's colonial leaders. Washington was there. Thomas Jefferson was there. Um, five or six of the other Virginians who would later sign the Declaration of Independence. 
Prominent among the bewigged statesmen was Patrick Henry. He was a well-respected lawyer from Hanover County. History.com reports, blessed with an unfailing wit and mellifluous speaking voice, Patrick Henry had long held a reputation as one of Virginia's most vociferous opponents of British taxation schemes. During the Stamp Act controversy of 1765, he even flirted with treason in a speech in which he hinted that the king risked suffering the same fate as Julius Caesar if he maintained his oppressive policies. Think about that. This guy is essentially is saying, King George better watch it. If he keeps taxing us like this, he could meet the same end as Julius Caesar. <gasps> oh, my God. Oh, my God. So to say, look, to say that America has a long history of this kind of rhetoric is to speak truth. Capital T, truth. It is true. It is the reality. These things occurred. These people said these things. It was the premise upon which we were founded. That taxation is theft. That you're taking all these monies from people and they have no representation. And if you keep doing it, people might rise up and overthrow you. That's our founding. That's our origin story. Right? Maybe we need to get some uh, Hollywood filmmakers in here. Have like a, like seven different origin stories made. Like Batman. Something like that. Email from Dan says, Pete, the reason why they sell alcohol in the Harris Teeter stores is with the price of groceries these days. You got to get hammered to get the courage up to go grocery shopping. It's possible. I'll allow it. Uh, The amount of heart disease, diabetes and other health ailments this grocery store alone will cause. It's time to just shut the doors all together. Um... At Patriot Girl says, just FYI, the bar in my Harris Teeter is in the frozen foods and beer and wine section. I guess I'll be shopping at Publix and Aldi now. Um, Ray Nothstein, uh, we read his work yesterday from uh, Carolina Journal. He said, vehicles, over 43,000 deaths a year. And Joe Catanacci, talk show host from down at the coast, says, I mean, it's definitely the commercials and trucks driving over rocks and cars cruising at high speeds, right? Time to put a governor on the engine, take away four-wheel drive, and if somebody is killed, well, companies are liable. Here's one. Uh, from the last six months, that's their Twitter handle, I spend at least $20 a day on average at Harris Teeter. I will not visit them again, and I encourage others to do so, even though it will cost me access to foods I enjoy. I am a tonsil cancer survivor with limited nutrition choices. Sarah says Redbox is outside most supermarkets and other businesses. There are real-life depictions of murder, rape, and more that glorify violence. Would you lobby for Redbox removal, please? Right. I think that's the, that's the consistent standard. If you are opposed to things that glorify, in your view, glorify guns and gun deaths or whatever, then you should be lobbying against all of them. But why did you pick the koozie? And why why are people white knighting for uh, Christy Clark and this Moms Demand Action activist? Uh, why why are these people coming into to their defense over koozies? Like of all the absurd things, I submit it's not the guns. I would submit it's more about the founding fathers' messages that are on the guns. 
It's more about the pro-America messaging. Because as I went over, and I'll finish this Patrick Henry quote, the quote from the koozie, give me liberty or give me death, that is at the core of the founding of America. I talk about shared ideals a lot. What is it that unites us as a people? This is the idea that should unite us as a people. And I think that's what they really object to. That's what makes them the most squeamish. Patrick Henry was convinced that war was around the corner. And when he arrived at the Second Virginia Convention to decide how to respond to the king, he was already one who had a reputation. He had already hinted that, hey, you know, someone could whack the king over all these taxes. As a recent delegate to the Continental Congress, he had sounded the call for colonial solidarity. He's the guy who said the distinctions between Virginians, Pennsylvanians, New Yorkers, and New Englanders are no more. I am not a Virginian. I am an American. His was a uniting message. And so when they show up in Virginia, he, he knows war is coming. And he urges his, del- his fellow delegates to adopt a defensive stance against Great Britain. He put forward a, a, puts forward a resolution proposing that Virginia's counties raise militiamen. Oh, you mean like a professional army? No, no. These would be the regular folks because that's what the militia was. To raise the militia to secure an inestimable rights and liberties from those further violations with which they are threatened. The suggestion of forming a militia was not shocking in itself. Other colonies had passed similar resolutions and Patrick Henry had already taken it upon himself to raise a volunteer outfit in Hanover County. He had raised the militia. Right? So these are the guys that we're supposed to believe could not comprehend ever owning weapons of war. The dude started his own militia. Okay. Many in the audience balked at approving any measure that might be viewed as combative with the king. They did not want to antagonize. They had not learned yet that he had rejected the petition for redress of grievances. So that hadn't gotten back to the colonies yet. So they had sent him their list. They were like, please, please, please redress our grievances. And he was like, yeah, pound sand. But they didn't know that yet. After several delegates spoke on the issue, then Henry rises from his seat in the third row. There was a Baptist minister who was watching the proceedings, and he would later describe Henry as having an unearthly fire burning in his eye. Now, what happened next has long been subject of debate. Henry spoke without notes. No transcripts of his exact words survive. The only version of his remarks were reconstructed in the early 1800s, so 20-some-odd years later, by William Wirt, a biographer who corresponded with several men that attended the convention. And according to this version, Patrick Henry began by stating his intention to speak forth my sentiments freely before launching into an eloquent warning against appeasing the crowd. He said the war is actually begun. The next gale that sweeps from the north will bring to our ears the clash of resounding arms. Our brethren are already in the field. Why stand we here idle? What is it that gentlemen wish? What would they have? Is life so dear or peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery? And as he spoke, he put his wrists together like they were handcuffed, right? He then says, forbid it. Almighty God, I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty. And then he pricks his hands apart. 
grasps an ivory letter opener, like a knife. He says, give me liberty or give me death. Picks up the knife, and as he utters those final words, plunges the letter opener towards his chest, mimicking a knife blow to the heart. He's a bit theatrical. The liberty or death speech tipped the scales in favor of defensive action, to be prepared. After Richard Henry Lee and Thomas Jefferson both lent their support to the resolution, it passed by only a few votes. And Patrick Henry was appointed the head of a new committee that was tasked with readying the Virginia militia for combat. Less than a month later, Lexington and Concord. So, yeah, those words have some meaning. They have deep meaning in American culture and American history. And everything that we have now is born out of that idea. And I'm sorry if that offends you. Now I'm going to go out and try to find a koozie that says it. All right, Brett Winterbill's coming up next. Stick around. I will see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone. (laughs) 